0: You know we live <clears throat> in uncertain times. Um, before I get started I need to make an announcement. I, you will not hear the word seriously this morning. If you were here last week then you know why I say that. <clears throat> Don't say seriously when you've got a phone up here. <clears throat> We went back and looked, listened to the message, and it was right when I said, Seriously, (laughs) that she started talking last week. Take your Bibles, if you will, and open them to Genesis chapter one as you're doing that. Let me just say we live in a day of great uncertainty and hopelessness, we see great destruction brought on by natural disasters, such as the recent fires in California, the earthquake in Alaska, today a tornado is hit, hurricanes, our country seems more divided than at any other time since the 1960s. People are discouraged, people are depressed by the political climate, violence on the streets violence in the public arena is escalating murders are rising we don't feel real safe anywhere anymore families are being torn apart immorality is becoming normal life in many ways has been turned upside down right is now wrong wrong is now right we are confused we're bewildered the churches for the most part are not growing they're not having any meaningful impact on society many just want to give up and sadly many do Social critic Jeremy Rifkin writes, Each day we awake to a world that appears more confused and disordered than the one we left the night before. Every time we think we found a way out of a crisis, something backfires. The powers that be continue to address the problems at hand with solutions that create even greater problems than the ones they were meant to solve. Friend, in such uncertain and troubling times, we must look for hope. Hope is a sense of expectancy and optimism that God wants to instill in all of us who love Him and have faith in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an overriding confidence that God gives us, reminding us often, even in the midst of our greatest Problems. God is still on his throne. God is still sovereign over this world. And God himself is with us. And he is greater than any challenge that we might face. Amen. On the very first page of the Bible, here in Genesis chapter 1, In verses 1 through 4, Moses unveiled the light and the majesty of our Creator and presented the implications for our lives. In the midst of the spiritual darkness and the uncertainty that surrounds us, Moses offers us advice on how to find hope in a hopeless world. Friend, people today are crying out in the midst of their struggles They admit they have wandered off the right path. And they are wondering if there is any hope left for them and their loved ones. If you look here in Genesis chapter 1, look what Paul says right here in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I want to talk about finding hope in a hopeless world. And here's what I want you to take from the message this morning. When life looks hopeless, look to the God of hope. Here in these verses in Genesis chapter 1, we, can, we see how we can escape the hopelessness of life. There are three steps that I want you to look at. First of all, you must look around and examine the emptiness of this earth look again in verse 2 moses said the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep as day one emerges we find the earth in a dark barren condition the hebrew expression here is interesting it's the words tohu wa bohu and it signifies a wasteland, tohu meaning a wasteland or a desolate place, bohu meaning empty. The earth was an empty place of utter desolation. There was no light, so there was nothing but darkness. That same expression, tohu wa bohu, is found in Jeremiah chapter 4. Hold your place here in Genesis. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 4 and look in verse 23, or you can just look at it up on the screen. There, Jeremiah laments the doom of Israel. He said, The whole land is laid waste, in verse 20. He borrows the words from Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, when he says in verse 23, I looked on the earth, and behold, it was without form and void, tohu wa bohu, and to the heavens, and they had no light. Friend, that is how Jeremiah describes the condition of Judah under the destruction brought by the judgment of God. What was once a fruitful land had become a wilderness, a wasted and desolate place without any inhabitants. It had no form, and it reminded Jeremiah of the state of the earth at the very beginning before God formed it into something beautiful. Right here in the beginning of creation, we see that the earth was lifeless. It was a barren place. The raw materials were there, but it had not been given form. You might ask, why is it important, Rick? For us to contemplate the significance of the earth in its original state. Why should we examine the chaos and the emptiness and darkness that characterize the earth there in the beginning stages? It's because the darkness and the chaos And the emptiness of earth before God created light is symbolic of human life without the light of the Lord Jesus Christ in it. When living in the world's darkness, you begin to realize that there is nothing that can overcome the emptiness and the meaninglessness and the chaos of your life. There's no drug, there's no bottle, there's no pills, there's no therapist, there's not a a once-a-week trip to the church or even a weekly Bible study that can fill that void and that emptiness so you begin to think about something that is greater than the world itself. So the first step out of hopelessness into a life of hope Take a look around this world today and you will see the emptiness and the void and the meaninglessness and the chaos that was characteristic of the earth in its beginning stages. The second step in moving out of the darkness is to look up and gaze on the glory of God. Go back to verse 1. Look what Moses says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The very first truth we learn about God in the Bible concerns his power and his glory. By his word, God created the universe. Every aspect of that first sentence, the subject, the verb, and the object all speak to one thing. God's majesty and his glory. You know, in Psalm 19:1, the psalmist says, the heavens are telling of the glory of God. Friend, you and I need to stop living as if this world is everything. Because I want to tell you something this morning, if you haven't already discovered it, the things of this world that promise satisfaction and meaning and purpose and fulfillment you find that when you invest all everything in the things of this world you always come up empty you all they always come up short in their promises where are you this morning what is it that you're living for is it primarily for this world Have you found, have you discovered that this world doesn't satisfy the deep longings and the need of your heart? Can I just say to you this morning, whatever it is you think you really want for Christmas, can I just give you a spoiler alert? It's not going to satisfy that longing and that need in your heart. Are you suffering some hardship Maybe an illness, a disappointment, some kind of trouble, maybe a besetting sin. The way seems difficult, seems impossible. Can I just encourage you to quit looking down at this world only and start looking up? And think about the fact that God sits on his throne in all of his glory, and all of his majesty. Moses would have us understand if we want to step out of the hopelessness of this world, we must cast our eyes heavenward and recognize God's presence with us everywhere. Friend, as we do, we will be encouraged to trust God's ability to help us. He is a God who is greater than our greatest problem, and he is more than willing to help us regardless of what it is we're going through. This is always the cycle we go through. We are first prone to look at the earth, at this world for the solution to our problems. For the things that we think will fix Um, our circumstances to make life better and then we find the emptiness and the dissatisfaction and the world's inability to satisfy to bring us the fulfillment the peace and the joy that we are looking for and that causes us to look upward to look to God so we look heavenward and we see, we sense God's greatness and God's glory and God's ability to do what no one else can do. The same thing that God did for the universe in the beginning, He can do for us through His creative word. He will bring light. Out of the darkness, he will bring meaning out of our meaninglessness, he will bring satisfaction and fulfillment out of our emptiness. There's a painting that has a message that makes the point that I think Moses would have us understand here this morning. It's a picture of an old burnout mountain shack. And all that remains is the chimney. The charred debris of what had been the family's sole possession. In front of this destroyed home stands an old grandfatherly looking gentleman. He's dressed in nothing but his long Underwear. There's a small boy standing by his side, barefoot and crying, clutching his overalls that have holes all in them. And then the words
1: underneath
0: the painting, as if the artist is trying to get us to understand. The message that that grandfatherly figure is saying to that little boy when he says to him, Hush, child, God ain't dead. You ever felt like God had deserted you? God had left you? That maybe somehow God had died because you don't sense his presence? Can I remind you this morning that God is not dead. God is still very much alive. And God still sits on his throne. The picture of that burned out mountain shack. The old man with that weeping child. And those words, God ain't dead, is a picture of hope. We all need reminders that there is hope in this world. I don't know what all you're going through this morning, but I know this. I know that every one of us in this room are going through something unpleasant. Maybe some that are going through more serious circumstances than others, but we're all facing things that we are glad that we've got one that we can look to and depend on. The man in that picture was obviously looking above the charred ruins of his home. And he was looking heavenward and sensing God's presence, even in the midst of tragic circumstances. And he could say to his child, God ain't dead. There is still hope for us. Friend, it's hard not to have hope when we look up to the heavens. And we remember God is still on his throne. God is still sovereign. And his promise is still true. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Well, after we've looked around at the emptiness of the earth and we uh, look heavenward and we gaze on the greatness and the glory of God, we must then, thirdly, look ahead and live in the light of the Lord. Now, only in recent years have scientists concluded that light was the beginning of the universe. But Moses told us this truth 3,400 years ago. This was God's very first step from chaos to order. The sun, the moon, and the stars were not created until the fourth day of creation, but light, the reality of light was created on day one by the word of God. He merely spoke. Look in verses 3 and 4. Let there be light and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. Friend, there's a wonderful analogy here. Just as physical light illuminates the darkness of our world, the spiritual light of God's written word turns our darkness into light. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Jesus is the light of the world. The God who created the world became flesh and came into this world groping in darkness because... It was enslaved to sin. John writes in his gospel, in John chapter 1, he says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through him all things were made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The meaning here is that the light of Christ is our only real hope. There is no other hope outside of Jesus Christ. He alone enables us to find real meaning and purpose in this world. Jesus keeps us from fumbling around in the darkness, never knowing where we are or what we are doing. It reminds me of an old story about a desert nomad who awakened in the middle of the night and he was starving So he lit a candle in his tent, and he reached for the bowl of dates beside his bed. As he bit into the first date, he saw a worm. So he threw the date, spit the date out, and threw it away. He bit into a second date, found another worm, threw it away as well. A third date was taken. Same thing occurred. So what did he do? Reasoning he wouldn't have any dates left to eat if he continued, he just simply blew out the candle and ate the rest of the dates. (laughs) And that's a sad but real picture of many people in our world this morning. Many people prefer to walk in darkness and denial than live in the light of reality. They would rather simply exist in the darkness Blind to their sin and its destructive nature than to live in the light of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, whenever Jesus spoke to people in this world of darkness, enslaved to sin, light would fill their souls. Transformed by the power of God, for the first time they understood who they were and the significance of their lives, and they found hope in a hopeless world. The Apostle Paul describes this transformation in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Look what it says there. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of God. Of Jesus Christ friend Jesus entered our dark world and entered the dark room of death but when he left he left the light on he gave us hope and I want to encourage you this morning stop hiding in the darkness and start living in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ during the Second World War the US Army was forced to retreat from the Philippines. Some of the soldiers were left behind and they became prisoners of the Japanese. They called themselves ghosts, souls unseen by their nation. On the infamous Bataan Death March, they were forced to walk over 70 miles knowing that those who were slow or weak would be bayoneted by their captors or they would die from dysentery or lack of water. Those who made it spent the next three years in a hellish prisoner of war camp. By early 1945, 513 men were still alive, but they were giving up hope. The U.S. Army was on its way back, but the POWs had heard of the frightening news that prisoners were being executed as the Japanese retreated from the advancing U.S. Army. Their wavering hope was, however, met by one of the most magnificent rescues of wartime history. In an astonishing feat, 120 U.S. Army soldiers along with 200 Filipino guerrillas, outflanked 8,000 Japanese soldiers to rescue those POWs. Albie Robbins was one of those rescuers. He describes how he found a prisoner muttering in a darkened corner of the barracks. Tears were coursing down the man's face, and he was saying, I thought we had been Forgotten. Abby Robbins said to him very softly, No, you weren't forgotten. You're heroes, and we've come for you. Friend, can I say to you this morning? Often in life we start to give up hope. We feel that God has forgotten us, abandoned us to a dark and hurtful experiences. But the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ reminds us that you're not forgotten. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the resurrection gives us the assurance that one day we too will see our rescuer face to face. When he returns in all of his glory to take his church to heaven to be with him forever and ever and ever. When Jesus returns, you will hear him say, I have come for you. And we need to remind ourselves that all is not lost as long as God is alive in the heavens and remains in control of this world. It was the Apostle Paul who proclaimed, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That, my friend, is a great reason for hope. Maybe the world's message of hopelessness has been getting the best of you. Maybe you've given up. Maybe you've given in to the discouragement and the depression that seems to be characteristic of so many people today. Perhaps your future feels uncertain, or maybe you are overwhelmed with a sense of guilt from your past that weighs you down. Problems never seem far away. Can I just remind you that Jesus said in John 16, verse 33 In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Because Jesus lives, we too shall live. Because he has victory, he has been victorious over sin and death. Our future is bright. Bill and Gloria Gaither captured this thought when they wrote these familiar words. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. My life is worth a living just because he lives. If you feel hopeless today, I want you to take heart. God has a wonderful gift that he wants to give you, and that is the gift of hope. By accepting the Lord Jesus Christ into your life as Savior and Lord, I can assure you not only will you receive God's gift of eternal life, but you will also receive his gift of hope. Knowing that regardless of what life throws at you, there is hope in a brighter and better future awaiting all of God's children come to Christ today and leave here with hope that is God's message to us on this first day of descent this first Sunday in December as we begin to think about God's christmas gifts to his people let's pray together father we thank you today